This week on Ottawa Business Journal's Behind the Headlines, the city helps restaurants weather the pandemic, a well-known athletic club tosses in the towel, and Holland Cross looks to add a residential. All this on more coming up right now. Hello and welcome to Behind the Headlines for the week ending September 11, 2020. I'm Michael Curran from the Ottawa Business Journal. Behind the Headlines is a podcast from OBJ to explore uh, the most read business stories of the week. I'm very pleased, as usual, to welcome two of my colleagues, Peter Cavessi and David Solly. Welcome to you both. Dave, we're going to uh, start with you. Um, the city is uh, trying to help out one of the hardest hit industries uh, during this pandemic, and of course, I'm talking about uh, restaurants and and uh, taverns. They've looked at uh, at doing some accommodation that might allow uh, these facilities to operate patios a little bit longer into uh, the season. It's a season that's getting colder by the day, by the minute. Uh, uh, tell us what's happening, uh, Dave. Uh, yeah, Mike. Well. Uh... As you said, uh, the, the, the city is very concerned about the impact the uh, pandemic has had on, uh, on a number of industries, uh, not the least of which is the, the, the bar and restaurant um, industry. It's been hit particularly hard. As you know, uh, people don't want to gather indoors. Um, so the city is going to try and, and help make it easier for them to stay outdoors a little bit longer than usual. Um, uh, in fact, uh, council this week approved... Uh, uh, approved a plan to uh, to waive permit fees for restaurants that and bars that run patios on sidewalks and streets through until March 31st next year. Um, and uh, they're also going to be uh, allowed to keep uh, operating patios on private parking lots, that sort of thing, uh, even near residential areas uh, through to the end of the year. Um, the city estimates that uh, more than more than 60 uh, operators have actually set up those kind of private patios this year to kind of encourage people to still come out, uh, eat and drink outside uh, where uh, they can um, they can physically distance in the outdoors and feel a little safer. Um, so that's one thing that uh, that uh, Mayor Jim Watson and Council are trying to do to give businesses a fighting chance, uh, as he says, to um, to help get through the pandemic. Another thing uh, that uh, that the city is considering uh, doing that that uh, that the mayor spoke about in a in a recent roundtable. Uh, was actually kind of stepping up its snow clearing efforts because, as you know, uh, guys, uh, when there's uh, it's pretty hard to do a curbside pickup when there's a six foot snowbank right outside your uh, your passenger side door there. So uh, um, so it's uh, so the city's really going to try and step up, make sure that it keeps those commercial streets in Westboro and uh, on Elgin and the Glebe and Montreal Road that sort of thing keep those clear of, uh, as, as clear of snow as they possibly can to help help ensure that um, that shoppers can can uh, don't have too much hassle when they're trying to park and pick things up at curbside this winter hmm. um, Peter uh, let's get you to uh, share some thoughts on this to, to put this in a little bit more context it's um I'm sure the restaurant and bar uh, industry appreciates what was done, but this is a little bit challenge, challenging as uh, Ottawa slips into winter. Uh, give us your thoughts on that. Well, for, for me, you know, it was such a, um, uh, a dramatic moment uh, when 
for the first time as um, we did start to see the expansion patios. I walked the stretch of Somerset to, from uh, from El Preston all the way to Elgin, and it felt like every single parking lot, side lot, um, alleyway had uh, suddenly uh, sprouted chairs, tables, uh, and canopies as uh, restaurants um, moved in to uh, to open up these uh, these patios. And the city's numbers do back that up. Uh, we've seen uh, the number of uh, officially uh, registered patios go from uh, about 100 uh, in 2019 to 350 this year after the city uh, did uh, move to uh, relax some of its fees and uh, and restrictions on where patios uh, could uh, could operate, but you know, you know as Dave Dave alluded and as the, the city identified, um, this is going to be a huge challenge uh, heading into uh, heading into winter. Um, will people be comfortable dining indoors? Anecdotally, in my neighborhood, I felt like I've started to see a few more people inside uh, restaurants eating, but there are such few numbers that uh, it's really really hard to see how that's going to be uh, to be viable. So. To that end, the city is uh, working with Ottawa Public Health to um, to sort of spread the word and I guess dispel the myth, as uh, Mayor Watson said, that uh, that uh, ventilation systems can spread uh, COVID nineteen, uh, and well, just sort of spread the message that it is safe to uh, to dine inside as long as uh, safety precautions uh, are being followed. But it's it's really going to come down to to um, I guess almost psychology. Will people be comfortable uh, going inside uh, bars and restaurants uh, once it does get cold? Mm -hmm. And of course, all of this will depend on uh, pandemic uh, uh, numbers. You know, as we see uh, a, a possible surge, uh, we're we're maybe seeing the beginning of that. Dave, just before we move on from uh, city hall issues, um, the mayor also had something to say about. Uh, the city's financial position and maybe at tax rates in 2021. Can you give us a quick update on that? Yeah, absolutely. Like, so uh, as we all know, the city is in a pretty big financial hole because of the pandemic. It's not getting uh, those revenues from rentals of city facilities. Transit ridership has just fallen into a huge hole. So they're not getting money from those fares. The city's losing a million dollars a day in revenues it would have expected to get. Um, and of course, it can't run a deficit under provincial law. So that means it either finds new sources of funding or it has to dig into its reserve funds. Well, the, 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 the province and the federal government have pledged $124 million in emergency funding so far. Um, but even still, uh, that's a gap of $70 million the city has to find. Um, uh, so, the, so, so, um, so the mayor has said he's hoping to get more support uh, from the feds in the province uh, be, because he's um, he vowed in the uh, during the roundtable he said he is not going to uh, budge on that three percent uh, tax hike threshold that he's promised. Uh, he says you know businesses and property owners just can't afford to pay more. Uh, they've everybody's been hurt by the pandemic, so he's not going to pass those uh, increased costs on to ratepayers, uh, uh, which means uh, there's going to be. Uh, more belt tightening and uh, hopefully more um, more funding coming from other levels of government to make up that shortfall. Okay. Uh, look, we're going to move on to the second story, which I thought was um, a story that would resonate certainly with a lot of, uh, of business people. Uh, I'm talking about the closing of uh, maybe what I would call an iconic uh, athletic center, the Auto Athletic Club. Um, uh, iconic simply because... Uh, uh, it had uh, such a tight relationship with its members, 
and uh, a, a bit of a business connection here because I think a lot of business people did actually go there to try to stay uh, stay fit. So Dave, uh, tell us about the uh, what's happening with the OAC. A uh, little bit of unfortunate news this week. Yeah, you're right, Mike. Uh, this is a story that really did resonate uh, a lot with our readers. Um, not surprisingly, uh, the Ottawa Athletic uh, Club, which is which, which, as you say, is iconic. I mean, when you think of uh, fitness centers in Ottawa, it's one of the first names that sprang to mind. And back in 1976, when real estate entrepreneur Saul Shabinsky launched the OAC, just the idea of a fitness center with weights and a, and a full gym and all that was, um, you know, it, 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 it was really kind of a novelty. Uh, there was really nothing else like it in the city. He got... Uh, Rough Rider star Jerry Oregon to help him launch it, and uh, it really took off. And um, for the next forty-four years, it was um, it was an integral part of uh, of the city's fitness scene. But the fitness industry, I mean, uh, as you can imagine, not many industries have been hit harder than it. I mean, you're looking at bars and restaurants, uh, live entertainment, the airline industry. But other than that, when your whole business model is predicated on bringing together a whole bunch of people in a confined space like that indoors, uh, it's tough. And so today is actually going to be the OAC's final day in business. It closes its doors forever uh, tonight. And, um, and uh, I was speaking to the general manager, uh, Mark Peterson, the other day. He was, just, he was very emotional talking about this. He's been at the club for 25 years. Uh, but he just said, in a normal day, Six months ago, there would have been 1,500 people passing through, through the turnstiles. Now, under new regulations, only being allowed to have 50 people in there at any given time, and then having to do a deep cleaning after they leave in between sessions. I mean, you don't need to have a PhD in economics to, to do that math and realize those numbers just don't add up. Um, the, the president, Ian Shabinsky, Saul's son, I mean, he's been going there since he was a kid. He said he remembers swimming at the club when he was like 13 years old every day. And um, so for him, this has just been a really tough week. Uh, but it just goes to show uh, the impact, the devastating impact the pandemic is having on this industry. And you've got to figure, Mike, this is the first um, big domino to fall, but it's probably not going to be the last in this space. Yeah, I would... Uh... It's it's really too bad, but I would I would have to agree with that. Uh, well, thanks for that, uh, Dave. It'll be uh, interesting to see the continued impact of the pandemic on uh, gym gyms and uh, athletic facilities. Peter, we're going to turn uh, to you now uh, for our third and final story. Um, a fairly well-known real estate development uh, on Scott Street at Holland. It's called Holland Cross. Uh, when I think of it, I think of uh, the big office towers that are there, uh, of course, situated directly across the street from an LRT station. I suspect that's going to play into uh, into uh, this issue as we talk about it. Uh, but Holland Cross is uh, announced uh, some big expansion plans. Uh, tell us about those, Peter. So they've revealed plans that, uh, that they'd like to build a 29-story residential tower. This would have uh, more than 300 uh, rental units uh, in it. So it's located, if you can picture the complex, at the uh, southeast corner, um, so just overlooking uh, the, uh, the, the beer store. 
Um, this, this this particular parcel of land is longest slated for development. Uh, a few years ago, there were plans for an office tower that never uh, came to fruition. And now uh, the owner of the uh, the complex, uh, Lasala Investment, has said that, that they want to uh, build a residential tower. You know, of course, the the Hintonburg West Wellington uh, community has been very very popular uh, among uh, developers uh, over the last decade or so. We've seen. Um, a few uh, new uh, residential towers uh, pop up along Parkdale overlooking the Tunney's Pasture Complex. But, you know, we're really sort of seeing uh, indications that there's another trend uh, in play. If you look at uh, Scott Street uh, right uh, from um, about Pimacy Station and Le Breton Flats, where I guess it's still Albert, uh, all the way into Westboro, there's so many different um, uh, high-rise projects either under construction or in the, uh, the planning uh, stage. And of course, the commonality is that all of these are within uh, walking distance of either a uh, existing uh, light rail station or one that's uh, under construction as uh, stage two really gets uh, gets underway. So it certainly seems that there's uh, a lot of signals that uh, that developers in Ottawa are uh, buying into uh, this uh, the, the vision of uh, these transit-oriented developments, putting more people uh, close to uh, to light rail that so many proponents of uh, of LRT had uh, had hoped uh, years ago. The, trans, the transformation on Scott Street is remarkable. I mean, the number of buildings going up, it boggles the mind. It's, uh, it's quite something and, and plays into what, what, of course, is happening from a residential perspective. Uh, listen, Peter, uh, we're almost out of time here. Um, give us a sense of what's coming up uh, with the Ottawa Business Journal. So a lot of us are uh, very hard at work preparing the uh, the next edition of the uh, OBJ uh, News Magazine. This is a really, really special uh, edition of, uh, of OBJ because uh, we'll be uh, profiling our annual CEO of the Year uh, recipient, uh, which is always uh, a really sort of special, uh, special uh, moment for the, uh, the city's business uh, community. Uh, we've got a ton of uh, special features going into this edition uh, uh, too. Uh, there'll be our um, a quarterly regional uh, special report that focuses in on the business community outside of Ottawa, uh, elsewhere in, uh, in Eastern Ontario. We also have special features on tourism, uh, exporting, as well as our uh, revamped uh, OBJ uh, social. Um, obviously, it's another um, uh, sector that's been uh, um, forced to adapt to due to mm. COVID. So we'll be taking a special look at how uh, charities and nonprofits uh, have been uh, adapting in the current environment. Uh, and not only is that the issue special for those reasons, it's special because uh, it's the first issue, uh, news magazine issue that we're printing since the pandemic hit. So uh, that's quite new. And it's the beginning, uh, at least for uh, the end of 2020 and 2021, of a quarterly uh, print uh, production schedule. So we had been producing the news magazine on a monthly basis and doing a, a great job. Uh, we're going to uh, reshuffle some of our resources to stay focused on digital. I'm sure we're not the only business doing that. Uh, and uh, and still have a great quarterly magazine. In fact, I think we're going to be uh, continuing to work on bringing some uh, new content and some new contributors uh, to it. So uh, thanks to Peter and thanks, Dave. I think you're going to be taking the, the lead on writing the CEO, the CEO of the Year profile. So very excited to make that uh, announcement in the next few days as well. So listen, that's all the time we have uh, for today. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, a reminder that you can uh, watch behind the headlines on YouTube. Please uh, follow us and hit the little uh, alert bell. Uh, we are also on uh, Spotify or on Apple iTunes and uh, SoundCloud. So you can listen to us. And uh, just a reminder, 
We always encourage people to check out obj.ca, our website. Uh, Dave is leading the charge on that uh, with the constantly updated news updates. And if you don't want to miss any of those news updates, uh, you can also subscribe to OBJ Today, which is our weekday, Monday to Friday newsletter. Uh, just go to obj.ca slash subscribe. That's all the time uh, we have for this week. I'm Michael Curran signing off on behalf of my colleagues, Peter Cavessi and David Sally. Please uh, join us again. Hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.